The passage that we read today from the Gospel of John is still in the very first chapter of John's Gospel. And John the Baptist is out in the wilderness baptizing people. And the scribes and the Pharisees are trying to figure out who he is and why he is doing this. And he tells them that he's making a way in the wilderness, a path for our God. He says, make straight the way of the Lord. And when they ask, the Pharisees ask John, why are you baptizing people? And he says, well, I'm looking for the Messiah. And he's coming. And our gospel text picks up and says, The next day, when John saw Jesus coming toward him, he declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the man of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he is before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day... John was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples who heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus saw and turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which is translated means teacher, where are you staying? Jesus said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, you tell us to tell of your good works. You call us to praise you, 
and to proclaim the ways in which you have touched our lives and been present to us. And so as we come this day, we need for you once again to touch our souls and to heal us. We need to hear a word that challenges, that comforts, that is full of promise and hope and opportunity to proclaim your goodness. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Some of you know that not this past week, but the week before that, my father had hip replacement surgery, and I went to be with him and my mom. And he and my mother live in Mississippi, just outside of Jackson. Now, I was not raised in Mississippi. They moved there about 10, 11 years ago. So when I go down there, I have to get used to it down there. And one of the things that struck me this time when I was down there is the God talk. Before breakfast, I had heard about three testimonies. People telling me about their lives and all that God had done for them. And it wasn't so much the content of the God talk. Mostly people told me how grateful they were that God had touched them in this way or that God had given them strength or how Jesus had blessed them. What struck me was how much people talked about God out loud and in public. One diner we went to had an open Bible sitting there on the countertop right next to the cashier. And it was open to the book of Romans. I'm looking at it, and I asked the man behind the counter if it was open to a specific page. And he said, oh, no, people can change, put it to whatever page they want. And then he said, strong in the Bible, strong in life. My mother told me that that Bible is usually open to the Ten Commandments. Now... For a moment there, when all this was going on, I wondered what it would be like to be Jewish or Muslim or just not religious and how that might feel. But mostly, I was just fascinated. I know some of you grew up in places where this is not unusual. But where I grew up in the Midwest, we kept God pretty much to ourselves. We didn't talk about God in public. And we rarely spoke of God outside of church. Even then, we counted on the pastor to do most of the talking. Rather than talking about God, we tried to live our faith as best we could and show people that we were Christians by our love. Have we lost We've, we've lost Wiley, and now we've found Wiley. I will testify that the one who was lost is found. 
Praise the Lord. Praise God. God talk can be rude, insensitive, obnoxious, damaging, and even dangerous. God talk can, and for many of us, has hurt us deeply. I probably don't need to even say anything about this because you have experienced this in your life. Someone coming at you with a judgmental attitude, convinced that they are saved and going to heaven and that you are not. And often folks like this will make it their mission in life to try to convince you that you are wrong and they are right. And many times, very hurtful things can be said. When I was probably just in college, I remember being at the dinner table with my cousin's new husband and him starting to pontificate about God and those women in the church who thought they should be pastors. Well, I had not exactly gotten my call at that point, but I do believe that I had heard some whispers, and it was all that I could do not to strangle this man. And yet, when we hear a word about God, and it is life-giving and authentic and true and faithful, it can heal our souls. Our story from the Gospel of John begins with a testimony. Testimony, court language, we testify to what we have witnessed, what we have seen, and we tell to the best of our ability what we believe to be true. So, a day after so that John has been baptized and Jesus was baptized, John the Baptist says of Jesus, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world which is fancy language for saying here is God's promised one who will heal our world in all of its brokenness and pain and injustice. Here is the one that God has promised who will heal us and make us whole. And John testified as a witness to what he saw. I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it came and remained on him. I didn't know it was him, but God told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit come and remain is the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That's what John, the only way John knew to express what had happened. And often when we talk about things that happen of God, we don't quite know how to say it. And sometimes it comes out and it sounds 
awfully strange to people who may not have experienced what we've experienced. Somehow I just knew that God was in the room. I can't quite explain it, but I knew it. John told about how he came to know that Jesus was God's promised one. It's powerful. Last year in our training for new elders and deacons, I asked people to talk about someone in their lives who had taught them about God. Someone in their family or somebody in the church, because they were going to be the ones who children were going to look at and say, I learned about God from Mr. Wick, or I learned about God from Wiley, Mr. Pearson, or Dr. Shellhammer. So people started to talk about how they had been introduced to the faith and one talked about his grandmother and how she made them go to church every Sunday morning and every Sunday afternoon and every Wednesday night for the prayer service and you didn't even think about not going and she made sure you said your prayers and knew that God loved you Another spoke of how she was shy and didn't speak up much anywhere and how the choir director at her church got her to sing and how she discovered her voice and how in the choir in the church it didn't matter which high school you went to. It didn't matter if you were one of the popular kids. What mattered was being a part of the group and joining your voice and singing. And how amazing it was to sing in church as a group and worship God. And another one told a story about how when things were bad at his house growing up, he would go to church. And this wasn't on a Sunday. He should have been in school. But he learned he could slip past the pastor and go into one of the Sunday school classrooms and just sit there. Because his Sunday school teachers had taught him that this was a safe place. It was his sanctuary. As each person in that room went around and told their story, tears flowed. The corners of our eyes got, you know, a little bit wet. It was sacred time. We gave each other such a gift. We didn't know it, but we were testifying before each other how we had come to know God. 
Now, John the Baptist kept telling people what he knew to be the truth about Jesus. And two of his disciples, his students, started, you know, to follow Jesus, you know, just to walk and kind of see what this guy was about. And Jesus saw them walking after him, and he said, what are you looking for? And they said, well, where are you staying? And it's sort of one of those questions, well, it's like, well, tell me your address. or the address of your church, and when I get around to it, maybe I'll come and I'll stop by and I'll find out more about it. Well, Jesus didn't let that happen. He said, come and see. Come, right now, come and see. And he brought them to where he was staying, and they talked for the rest of the afternoon. And you've also had that happen, where something just clicks, right? doesn't necessarily have to be over God, but you've been there when something just clicks and the time just flies and you're like, oh, wow, this was so great. Well, that's what happened to these two men. Fifty years ago, people in our nation were looking for something. They were looking for justice. And they were looking for freedom from discrimination and looking for some basic civil rights. And people heard this powerful voice giving witness to Jesus' love for all people and God's condemnation of injustice. Now, Martin Luther King was a pastor, but he didn't keep it in the church. He spoke it out loud in public. He spoke in the public square about Christ's call to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He testified about being in people's homes, in the slums, and seeing rats scurry across the floor and how God would not allow such a system of poverty and discrimination stand. King also testified his struggles, his hopes, his fears. He testified and witnessed to a dream that God had given him. The purpose of God talk is to tell the truth the best we can in such a way that people become more fully alive and that we in them grow in love of God and neighbor. This is what King did. The words of equality for all God's children resonated all over the world. And there are monuments to Martin Luther King Jr. in Africa, and in the streets of India, and in Paris, and North London. Because the truth of God's love and call for justice rang out not just in this nation, but to heal a world.
those two disciples must have had something of their souls healed because one of them, who we find out his name is Andrew, went immediately to his brother's house to tell his brother to come and meet Jesus. And he came, and it changed his life right away because Jesus gave him a new name. <laughs> right then and there. Tom Long, who writes a book about testimony, talking ourselves into being Christian, tells the story about being out in his backyard with his wife and dog one evening and they were watching the sun go down and it was really getting cold and so he started to go in and just as he started to go in he felt his wife tugging on his shirt sleeve and saying look look and he turned and there was this magnificent sunset it was just glorious with all of the yellows and the oranges and the way the light comes up and catches the bottom of the clouds and it's some pink and lavender in there and he was going to miss it and she said look look and so he got to see it in a way she was testifying to the glory of God and helping him see it this kind of brings us to another word that Presbyterians really hate and that is when our testimony becomes an invitation. And the word that some of you are afraid that I'm going to say is evangelism. But right there in the middle of that word is angel. And the angel is the messenger from God. The angel is the one who tugs on the sleeve and says, Look, 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 there's this magnificent sunset. And I don't want you to miss it. What would it be like to say my kids love coming to CCPC wow the preacher preached about equality for gay and lesbian people can you believe that my church is doing this monument to the lost, to all of the people who have been killed in gun violence in D.C. We're really doing this. Session voted it. And it's awesome. I heard music this morning that was just so great. You wouldn't believe this guitar group that sang. I mean, we have this guitar group in this really traditional church, and they had us just rocking. 
and we played the drums at the end and we're like marching down the aisles and it was just so great. Thank you for praying for me. My church is also praying for me. And it really means a lot. The psalmist calls us to stand up and to praise God for how God has touched our lives. To come see and go tell and maybe heal someone's soul. Thanks be to God. Amen.